0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast
2: State of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am delighted to be joined by Laura Bradbourne and Kevin McCluskey. People think that's my like script. I am genuinely delighted to be joined by you two because the other night, there I'm sitting here on my own with you know a bottle of San Pellegrino just uh, chewing the fat (laughs) with with myself.
3: Well, we're we're taking our life in our hands here because me i have got a perfect record so far So if, if things get screwed up today Then we know who to blame It's
2: That's on right. me, it's absolutely absolutely Right, we're going into A massive game I try not to use the cliches We're going into a massive game against Tibbs Seeing as it's an away game Kevin's got an away jersey That is a cracker I'm not sure I appreciated that at the time, Kev But looking at it now, it is a cracker as uh, a jersey
4: I think it's an understated classic It is, yeah.
2: it is and we were talking just before coming on live. Who do you think of Laura Bradburn when you see Kevin wearing that jersey?
3: Do you know something uh, I, I couldn't have said? It. I'm really bad for like thinking players played in certain jerseys when they never. like. My timelines are all off as far as that's concerned. But Kevin, I think you said Samaras and I was immediately just flashed back to, you know, all those glorious days. I I know Samaras doesn't have a favourable opinion uh, for some portion of the Celtic supporters, but my God, on his day, he could absolutely fly.
2: I actually loved him, Lauren. I'm not just saying that. Had we um, had a Celtic state of mind at the time, I would have been his biggest fan. You know, uh, not being able to see his bad performances, I was all over that. And I used to, you know, completely disagree with the old guy and my big brother. And then uh, the two nothing game, at Ibrox happened, and they just had to buy into George Samaras. I was also um, in the Broomloan that day that he took the ball off Chris Commons for the penalty. You'll remember, and McGregor saved it. Mm-hmm. Commons, incidentally, is the other player I think about when I look at that yeah. jersey. Kevin, but you wear it better than he does Uh, George's Samaras Interestingly enough, we've not read the teams out yet We'll get to the teams, we'll get there Um, I watched a brilliant wee bit of footage, it was on, uh, you know how every day you get the Celtic News Now email and it's the top stories the top Celtic stories Um, One of the blogs, I can't remember who it was so apologies, ran this story about a video that they had found on YouTube and it was um, Samaras's dad playing over in, I think it was South Melbourne So there was a further Ange Postacoglu-Celtic link. And his old man was um, top player, by all accounts. I think he only played one game. But when you watch it, you can see big Samaras in him. You know, just that big, lazy genius that Samaras was. (laughs) Um, We don't have Samaras. We do have the team lines. Let's run through them and we'll get your thoughts on this, Laura and Kevin. Joe Hart and goals with Jaranovic at right back. He's returning. Kara Vickers is back in the center half alongside Starfelt and Taylor returns to the left back berth. Uh midfield made up of Captain Callum McGregor. Rio Atate is back. Welcome back to Rio. Uh Tommy Rodgick gets the number 10 jersey, even though he won't be wearing it. Abada, Jota, and Maeda uh up top. There's been question marks around the um Uh, whereabouts, say, Yakamakis. I'm not sure if that's been confirmed, if it's an injury or illness. And when you say illness, you always know what we're talking about. And on the bench, we've got Bain, Beaton, McCarthy, Idiguchi, O'Reilly Forest, Ralston Welsh, and Karamoko. Uh, Let's run through each section of that team and see how happy we are or otherwise. Um, Kind of the team we expected, apart from Yakamakis, which is the, uh, uh, the one question mark, I guess... But there was, let's talk about the midfield first of all, there was really a question mark around whether or not uh, Rogic or O'Reilly would start. Are you thinking along the lines, Laura, that they, they, they're they not best suited playing together?
3: Um, <clears throat> I'm always a bit reticent to, to go down that route too early because I know that similar things were being said. I think it was about Turnbull and Rogic earlier in the season and they proved, like, Absolutely able to work together. I think what you always have to take into account when you're talking about whether two players can work together or not is how intelligent are they? How how much are they able to adapt their game so that they're not doing the same thing as each other? I think the problem you get when players can't work together is that they don't adapt their game and they don't try and do different things. I think when you look at O'Reilly and you look at Roggeach, both of them are certainly intelligent enough to adapt things. Do they do the same thing if they're not in the team together? Pretty much. But I think if they were putting the same team together, they can work around that. Um, whether it's ideal that they're forced to compromise their game or not when they're together is is another sort of thing to debate. But personally, I think we work better when we have the selection between the two of them. I haven't seen enough to see that that they can work together. To the best of their both strengths, so, and to be honest, I I always feel as though you know we spent so long talking about the lack of choice or the lack of rotation or the lack of um, squad numbers. I don't think it's a bad thing that if you've got Rogic in the game, you've got O'Reilly that can replace him to freshen things up, and vice versa. So, I I think you know it's a squad game at the end of the day. As long as you've got strong choices. Um, you're going to have to use the 23, 24 players of that squad throughout the season. And so n- not necessarily having them all in the same 11 uh, every week is is no bad thing to me.
2: Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I think um, at the time when we were playing uh, Rogic and Turnbull week in, week out, it's probably due to the fact that we didn't have the depth. And by the way, we've looked at the depth or lack of Laura, because uh, we spoke about the poor performance on Thursday night, and whether or not that highlighted that maybe we don't have the depth that we thought we did, and maybe there is a drop off between first pick and second pick. Kevin, when you look at uh, Rogic in there today, is it uh, in Andy's mind that you know he does perform at Easter Road? D- the managers consider that. You think back to the first game there this season; he was outstanding for about half an hour until um, he pulled up with an injury. Um, is that maybe in Andy's mind as well?
4: I think it must be because we know that teams have got favourite grounds that they like to go to and they always get a result. And it's the same for players. So, yeah, if Rogic goes to Easter Road and performs on a consistent basis, then you don't leave him out of the team when you go and play there if he's fit. He's also a player that you just know that he can change any game on the kind of the flick of a switch. Yeah. So, if he's fit, you know, for me, it's a toss up between him and O'Reilly as to which one starts. Mm-hmm. I'm not always sure there's that much of a difference between them at the moment in terms of quality. But Rogic has got the history of doing it at Easter Road. He's, he's a big game player for us. He's proven that over the last decade or so that he's been at the club. So I think, yeah, th- those things must play in the mind of the manager when he's selecting the team. And as we've just said, it's a great thing to have somebody like O'Reilly that can just come off the bench for the last half an hour if we need a change of pace.
2: No, it's something we lacked, uh, desperately lacked in the early months of the season. So I totally agree with that. You look on that bench and you've got some quality. We'll have a look, a closer look at the bench as well. Hatati comes back. And no, one final point I would say about Roderick. I thought that um, against Wraith Rovers and then the other night, and he was hooked at halftime, of course, I just thought his passing was completely off Laurel, which is unlike him. He's a player that you expect to be able to thread a pass through the eye of a needle. Um, at times and and open up packed defences. So um, I don't know. I'm not particularly concerned. You don't become a bad passer of the ball overnight. But that's just something I did pick up on uh, over the last uh, month or so. Hatati comes back in. When he arrived on the scene, you know, he, and I'm going to use the cliche, hit the ground running. How often are we saying that on Axon, by the way? Um, Hatati hit the ground running. He was outstanding. You're looking at him thinking he's undroppable. And the following week he got dropped, Laura, didn't he? Um, that was interesting. Uh, it's good to see him back in the the starting lineup today. I feel.
3: I, I think with with the players that have come over from playing in the J League, I think what we all forget very much is they're coming from a different part of the world where the football season runs in a different cycle. So him and Maeda specifically um, are coming into a situation, and Edigucci to an extent as well, although he's not being forced to, obviously put as much time in. They're coming from a situation where they're coming off the back of, you know, basically a full season. Um, this essentially should be their pre-season, but it's not really because they're playing a lot more games and doing a lot more training than probably would in a lot of pre-season. Um, and therefore, you know, the adrenaline might wear off after the initial transfer and the excitement and the the, the desire to impress. And actually, they're just settling into what is perhaps a little bit more what their level's at just now because of a level of fatigue or tiredness or something like that. So I agree with you. I think Hatati's uh, drop-off in performances is, is less to do with his ability, which I think we're all aware of watching him, and more to do with just... Um, that, you know, he's played an awful lot of football by all accounts over the last 12 months and uh, that's before you even go back um, before that. I don't know what his pre-season would have been like this time last year. So, you know, I I think we have to be honest and say that, yes, I'm delighted with the start that he made, but we have to give him some allowances for the fact that, you know, he's he's not having the pre-season and he's basically going to end up playing a season and a half of football before he gets a proper break.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, Kevin, um, again, you, you often take certain players for granted and from time to time, I think this that can be said for Callum McGregor. But when you look at the um, the energy and I would maybe even say aggression that he brought to the side on Thursday night, and it was a forgettable night, uh, there was a, a, a real different approach um, by Celtic when McGregor came back into the side. We miss him uh, when he's out of the team, don't we?
4: We do, and there's a reason why Callum McGregor's been the most played player in European football for, I think, each of the last three years or something like that. You know, he's such a vital cog in the midfield. Um, you know, midweek, we were pretty poor in the first half. Mm. Without him, he comes on, as you say, he he ups the tempo, he changes the way that we're playing, and he is he's, he's a hugely vital player to us. Um, and... I think that's the point that you're making about finally realising that okay we've maybe got more depth in the squad now, but do we have the quality in the depth? Because they, in the second string team that came in and played, <coughs> excuse me, on Thursday night just didn't have that same quality that the first team does, um, and that's why we can't give somebody like Callum the rest that he needs in those games. So yeah, I mean we definitely miss him when he's not in the team. It's always great to have him, but it's good to have someone else that would be a, a similar kind of player that we could bring in every now and again and just mm. give him a, a week off or an, an hour off in a game and bring him in for the last half hour just to, to keep him going.
2: I know, and I, I've, I'm i just watching the the footage at the moment, uh, trying to figure out whether Callum is still masked up today. I'm not sure if you've <laughs> seen him warming up uh, because I, there was a discussion about his vision, wasn't there? That, like you know, It is affecting a bit of his, uh, his vision as well, so once he takes that off uh, I'm guessing that you know, you'll be feeling a wee bit freer uh, without the, the face gear. Um, in the defence, I'm, I'm keen to bring in uh, some of the comments coming in. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the social media and particularly on YouTube as well. And if you are on YouTube, please subscribe, hit that notifications bell. One of the the latest fully produced videos and fully produced videos will be coming in thick and fast was uh, uploaded yesterday and it was the thank you video from St. Mary's and Marky Boy comes in. Hey Troops, must begin with huge admiration for the video from St. Mary's. We are a club with a fan base like no other and this is a podcast like no other. It genuinely gets me through my daily life. Now the reason I bring that up, Mark, thanks very much for uh, saying that, but we do hear a lot of negativity online. Laura, and it's brilliant to get a bit of positivity. We do get a lot of messages like that. It's just sometimes it's human nature to focus on the negative, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've all got our cynical sides as Celtic supporters, as football supporters, um, and and, and it's sometimes natural to only bring up those sides of things. Uh, Some of it obviously goes a bit too far in the other direction and and, and becomes personal and what have you, but it's good as well to recognise the... The situations and the instances where, you know, we do call things right, or we do have a particularly good show, or somebody makes a particularly good piece of content, and I think I speak for everybody on the Axon team when I when I say congratulations to you and Kelvin, um, who's behind the scenes, who nobody really sees, uh, for what was an absolutely fantastic piece of content. You know, very often we get we get congratulated as a team. and we do work as a team, uh, Axom and, and and we try and contribute as much as we can. But I think, I think Kevin will agree with me when he says that, um, you know, coming on and doing the odd match coverage here and there, or doing a bulletin, uh, once a week or something like that, is is just a fraction of the work that you and Kevin put into the content that's produced. And I think that was, I think that was displayed in all its glory, um, with that particular documentary. And I would urge anybody who's not seen it yet, uh, particularly if you're a a, a sort of um, a Celtic historian at heart um, to, to go and watch it because it really is a fantastic thing to watch and and to to my mind as high quality a, a piece of content as I've seen produced anywhere on online uh, for Celtic.
2: Oh, it's lovely for you to see that, Laura. As you know, I moved into the studio. I just live here six or seven days a week <laughs> um, about two years ago, but. Anyone passing the area, get yourself down and, and visit the place. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, I know that it's not everybody's local parish, but just get in there and have a look at the history. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapel. Um, there's a few points coming in about uh, Gigi. Teams up, only surprises. No Yakimakis. O'Reilly out as well. Um, not confirmed yet as to the, the whereabouts of Yakimakis. Where is he today? Asks Markie boy. Um, and also we've got Steve O'Matt. The fact that he doesn't make the squad is concerning, possible not, in that pointless game midweek. Now, there's been a lot of talk about that uh, team selection midweek. It was quite clear, Kevin, that uh, Antipo Chicago, despite the fact that he says he doesn't give anyone a rest, he rested quite a few players with the priority on today's game. And when you consider the fact that we're out of Europe, so it's gone, Uh, we will have some benefit in the fact that Rangers are still in Europe, um, for the time being anyway. And it's not a focus on what anybody else is doing, but I think there is a benefit playing the game early today, knowing that your rivals are playing a wee bit earlier on. And how important is it? Because I I felt a real tension at Celtic Park the other week against Dundee, a team who, by the way, I don't rate in the slightest. I think you saw that yesterday. They were absolutely cuffed at home against Livy. But We made hard work of it. There was a tension um, in the stadium last week. Do you think that the fact we're playing away from home and there's a smaller percentage of Celtic fans in the stadium, that we might get a wee bit more of a a free-flowing performance today?
4: Possibly, yeah. And looking at the Motherwell game um, of a few weeks ago, that was a fairly free-flowing game. Um, We dominated that game and had it won by half-time, more or less. So... I think uh, I think playing early uh, takes away a bit of the pressure, certainly because you are only looking after your own result that way. You're not looking over your shoulder at what anyone else has done earlier on in, in the day. Um, yeah, playing away from home, I don't think it phases this team at all. I don't think it would matter if we were away with no fans or away with a kind of a, a full normal cohort of Celtic supporters there. I don't think it phases them either way. Um, um, so, I mean, yeah, I just I, I think I think today we're just going to have to go out and play the Celtic way and get the result.
2: You know, remember Rogic was asked the question and he was quite keen to remind uh, the journalist or the broadcaster that we're used to be top, and, top of the league. We're used to that type of pressure, Laura, and I, I totally get that because we are. But I did feel a bit of tension against Dundee last week, I've got to be honest, uh, last Sunday. Um, I think that you know a big part of that was down to the fact that um, they, they were playing a kind of stuffy brandy football, which they've got to. They're, they're in survival mode. Hibs don't tend to do that, do they? Sometimes to their detriment.
3: No, I think uh, I think that's the thing that um, that is encouraging me about today um, is that we do tend to struggle against the teams for whom it's vital for them to come to us or for us to go to them and them to kind of park the bus. Dundee, Ross County, um, Livingston—all spring to mind. Yes, I know Dundee specifically. We did put six past them at the beginning of the season, but that—that that was more because they had made a lot of new signings. We had made a lot of new signings, and it was two teams coming together who didn't really know how each other was playing. Never mind, uh, never mind their own teammates. Uh, so we—that was a bit of a, an anomaly. But we do tend to struggle against the teams who kind of camp in their own base and, and, and try and make it tough for us to break down. Um, Hibs don't play like that. Like you say, They, I even don't mind that they might play on the break today because at least then it might potentially leave spaces open for us. But Hibs, as much as Celtic, I think pride themselves on the way that they play football and they strive to play entertaining football, particularly at Easter Road. Um, and while that might be a, a good thing for them and their fans, eh, I think for us... It provides an opportunity for us because, you know, when you've got a Jota, Maeda, and, and they're getting supplied by McGregor, Rogge, Chatati and the passing that they can make, there's wide open spaces there to exploit. And I think that that's where we are at our strongest. So hopefully we can do that today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sean Maloney took the job this season and he was a highly rated coach. You just have to look at the level that he was operating at. Things haven't really gone to plan, I don't think. I mean, Hibs, uh, despite the fact that they've um, they've sacked a manager and they've brought in a new manager and he hasn't really uh, got going really in terms of results yet. You look at the last uh, five, three losses a draw and a win in the league, Hibbs still sit fifth. Uh, their team today is Macy, Rocky, Porteous, Stevenson, Cadden, Doyle, Hayes, Campbell, Doig, Wright, Jasper and Nisbet. That's the starting lineup. up uh, Poach has been in the news for all the wrong reasons. Must be something in the watery Easter road when you consider some of the players that have come through the ranks there. Anyway, let's have a look at the, the defence. Johar, Juranovic, Carter, Vickers, Staffel, Taylor. I'm going to ask you the question first, Kevin. Is that our strongest back line? Is that it? I
4: think it is. I know Laura will disagree with me on the <laughs> <right back>. <laughs> She'll <laughs> go into ego <laughs> out back and probably...
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't go there, don't go
4: there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, for, for me, for me, that's the strongest back line. Hart's obviously the undisputed number one at the club. Juranovic, for me, is the best right back. Carter I think they've built up a pretty decent defensive partnership uh, over the last couple of months. They've been fairly solid. Um, and we can't... Forget that we've actually got the best defence in the country, and you know, they must be part of that, there must be a reason for that. Um, and for me, I know Taylor's the contentious one, uh, I, I just think he kind of fits the system better that Ange plays. He brings, um, the what is it, stability, but certainly the um, the balance rather of having a lefty player at left back. Mm. He's a more of a natural left back rather than an attacking full back, so I think he's generally a fairly. Dependable player, you know, you're not going to get many eights and nines out of him every week, but you're going to get dependable sixes and sevens. Yeah. Um, uh, And and as the inverted fullback, I think he tends to, when he drifts into that centre midfield role, I think he's actually got a fairly decent range of passing that adds something else in that role also. I just think he he, he just brings a bit more balance to the team there. I don't have an issue with Juranovic moving to the left as such, because I think he's capable there. Mm-hmm. but you miss out on his qualities on the right. And as good as Ralston's been, he's not as good as Joranovic. So for me, this is the strongest uh, the strongest back four. But I, I won't fall out with anyone if you say that someone else would play at left back.
2: <laughs> well, I did have that exact discussion, I think, a week or so ago with, with uh, one of the, the viewers. And I was talking about the fact that I, I, I agree with you. I think Ralston is the second best right back that we've got. But my argument um or the point I raised was perhaps Taylor was the second best left back because yeah. although Jaranovich is far better as a right back, I still think he's very, very good and effective as a left back. However, I'm looking at that lineup and, and with the Thursday night's game fresh in my mind, Laura, I'm, you know, the two goals that we lost, the first one, it was basically a really poor pass. Um, I don't know if you would blame Welsh, Beton or or a combination of both. And then the second one, you really have to look at Ralston's um, awareness. You know, the boy's on his shoulder and he can't, he can't recover from it. And it's basic stuff. Um, as much as I, I love Ralston and I've stood up for him on the show, I'm now looking at that defence, starting to wonder... Um, if it is the strongest. But again, another point to note is Welsh is on the bench, Julian is not. So he drops back out and that's happened before since he made his reappearance as well. Laura, what's your thoughts overall on the defensive side of the game?
3: I have to say, I watched the game on Thursday night uh, through my fingers for a multitude of reasons. Not least, I thought, the next time I'm on with Kevin, I'm going to take a roasting because Scales was absolutely honking at left-back as well. I know you didn't mention him, but I didn't even I, mention him I, 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 I've been campaigning for him to get back in and it was perhaps his, his poorest performance in a Celtic shirt. So I do agree with, um, with Kevin in that for me, the fullbacks always work better when it's a right-footed uh, fullback at right back, and it's a left-footed uh, at left back. So, in that sense, I think Taylor's the right choice. And I always, I've always said that, although I think he has his limitations, I think he's perfectly adequate for for the domestic game. Uh, looking at the looking at the rest of the the lineup, can't argue with Hart or Juranovic. Carter Vickers has had a couple of dips in performance in recent games, but certainly can't you know fault that he's probably the best defender we have. And Star Starfelt, for all the shakiness that he had at the start of his career, has certainly come into his own and seems to play football the way that Andrew wants him to play it. Um, looking at the Julian situation, you know, it could simply be a fitness thing. I mean, he's been out for so long. He's he's had such a major injury that I think we would be silly to um, overwork him straight away and pot- potentially set him back. So I'm not... Having not heard anything too adverse about his situation, um, I'm not too concerned to see that he's not in the squad today. If he gets enough game time before the end of the season um, and is there as a kind of more permanent choice next season, then that's, that's I think, fair enough for him. Welsh didn't have a great game on Thursday night either, so I'm not surprised to see him drop out. Um, but I just hope his head doesn't go down as far as that's concerned because I still think Welsh um, should be to to my mind a little bit disappointing not to have had more opportunities than he's had this season and I'm sure if he keeps going and keeps working hard then he will get more opportunities because I still rate him very, very highly.
2: Yeah, uh, just another point, no scales on the bench either so he's dropped completely out of the, the squad today. He was
3: He was absolutely honking on Thursday to be fair. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I used to um, look with interest at the the shoot marks out of 10 for every performance. And I, I would tell you that 10 was, you know, out of this world right down to number one. And one of the descriptive, um, uh, you know, points on each of those lower scores was never honking. So I'm not sure if it's a three or a four <laughs> or a one Um surprisingly shoot. A
4: minus one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> shoot never said honking it was kind of like off form <laughs> mediocre poor, that kind of thing paddy lavery uh, welcome to the show you're wearing an ax on top in your avatar that is absolutely astonishing a celtic win would be the perfect birthday present happy birthday to you sir and thank you for supporting a celtic state of mind and what we do robert wallace is going for three zip you are confident today robert and um david bradley is I saying, I feel this is a big game for us, not to show any nerves, and we are back on track. I kind of thought that last week, there was that tension, call it tension, call it kind of nervousness. Uh, let's get that out of our system, let's get a win today and stretch that lead, absolutely. We haven't spoken much about the forward line yet, Abada and Jota, and we're talking about first choices, their first choices every single day of the week. But through the middle, we have Maeda. I've watched uh, with interest the kind of comments coming through in relation to his performances so far, Kevin. And and I don't think he is as effective out left, is the the point I would certainly make. But I take into account what Laura was saying as well in relation to the rest or lack of that Maeda's had in throwing the international football and the travel uh, into the mix as well. Um Also, I've got to say a big shout out to, uh, was it Kieran Devlin's article on Athletic the other day was absolutely superb. And he was also talking about Maeda uh, and and he believes that he's getting a hard time. What's your take on it, Kevin, when you look at uh, how he's performed since he's coming?
4: Yeah, I would agree uh, that he's definitely less effective out on the left. Uh, I think the, the couple of games that he's played out there... He's not really done very much. I don't think he's a left winger, for starters. I'd say that he's a centre forward for me. He's a, he's got the pace that he can play out wide, and he can kind of uh, take his throw back on and, and cause him problems. But he doesn't really have a final ball, so for me, he's limited to what he can do out in the left. Uh, as I don't think that's his position, I'm not going to be overly critical of him for not performing particularly well there. I think you do have to take into account the fact that. I think he had the longest season out of the, the three Japanese players that we signed in January. He's shown a great deal of commitment to us by travelling halfway around the world and then back to play two games in the same day mm-hmm. uh, when he came back to play in the, the Glasgow Derby match. And I think when, you, when you've when you seen him play as a centre-forward, he's, he's just a, a committed player. He's the one that's uh, leading the press from the front. He's chasing down the goalkeeper. He's chasing down the first defender. He's um he's maybe needing to add goals to his game from us, but in terms of his actual effort and commitment, I don't think he can fault him at all. Um, and over time I'm sure the goals will come from him. Mm-hmm. He's he's gonna he'll be another player that will, you know, we'll review his performances game by game, and it's the same as Jack Amarkis. You know, he struggled to fit in at the beginning. Um, no one wrote him off, but we just did say he hasn't performed well today. It's the same with Maeda, he hasn't performed well in certain games. But give him time and I'm sure it'll he'll he'll come good. He's already got one goal against Hibbs. So, you know, let's have him go out and get another one today.
2: Yeah. Another thing I would point out, Kevin, actually, is we, we believe Anj. We believe in Anj. Um, you know, if he identifies a player, you kinda of think, well, he'll be a player. Uh exactly. I keep coming back and, and to
4: this. He, Yeah. So he he identified him as his main striker before Kyogo. hmm So, you know, we're judging Mara on being tired after a full season. Yeah. Give him, give him the rest of the season kind of written off a little bit. Give him the summer. And then when he comes back next year, you've hopefully got two centre-forwards that are on top of the game battling it out for that centre-forward position.
2: Yeah, I thought you were going to see two Kyogos there. Imagine that. We are bad in, in, in,
4: in Jordan.
2: Wow. Um, we are wearing <laughs> the black kits. McGregor is wearing his mask, Laura. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Any predictions, Laura? I know you love a prediction.
3: Oh yeah I absolutely love a prediction, never makes me look like an idiot whatsoever Um, I'm going to go slightly conservative, I think we will concede today but I'm going to say 2-1 uh, Hopefully not a nervy 2-1 but I will go 2-1 two, 2-1 one.
2: Two, one for Laura, Kevin what's your prediction
4: today? Yeah I was thinking 2-1 as well because I think Hibs have probably got a goal in them But since Laura's going 2, I'll say 3 Excellent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Superb. I'll go um, Celtic to win 2 0 today. Uh, But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We will be back at half time. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved in the comments. Let's go and enjoy the first half. And thank you to Laura Bradburn and Kevin McCluskey for joining me on a Celtic state of mind.
0: Check out Bosley today.
3: When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text
1: SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet